at the end of the day, it comes down to figuring out how you do what you're already doing and just mm-hmm. documenting that process. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by Ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Adams, and today I'm joined with an incredible man, Stephen Pesavento, just understands the systems. And so if that's something that you guys are looking to do is understand how to systemize your business, you've come to the right place. Stephen, uh, how did you get involved into real estate, sir? Yeah, yeah. So about, uh, about a year and a half ago, in June of 2016, I uh, decided to kind of quit everything else I was doing and push my chips in to, to, to get going in real estate. So I uh, always had an interest in it, but just kept coming up with these limiting beliefs about why not to do it, why not now, need to have cash. I need to be older. I need to have more experience doing these things. And then finally, I realized that, you know, none of that stuff was true. I needed to just get after it and take some action and and start doing it. And so uh, the best way for me to do that was to uh, essentially, I fired all of my digital marketing clients, quit having any other way to make income other than uh, renting my place on Airbnb and kind of set out on this journey to figure out, you know, how to crack the nut, how to start flipping houses and, and how to build a real estate company. That's, that's incredible. So you're doing fix and flips then? Yeah. So we, we, uh, we focus primarily on acquisition. So we have a pretty big marketing machine going in uh, two different markets in Minneapolis, Minnesota and Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, and then from those acquisitions, we, we pick out the properties that we want to fix and flip. Uh, we do some new construction in, uh, in North Carolina as well. And, uh, then we, we end up wholesaling, wholesaling some of those properties to other investors. The ones that if you don't meet what we're looking for, maybe it's better as a rental or some other type of investment vehicle. Okay. So last year was your first year doing this? Last year was our first year. We uh, opened up Von Finch Homes in November of 2016. We didn't buy our first home until, uh, or we didn't buy our first wholesale. What was our first wholesale deal until February of 2017? So from February 2017 until the end of that year, how, how did you do? We did, uh, we did over 75 deals. 22 wow. of those were new construction or, uh, or flips. Uh, three of them were new construction. And uh, yeah, we grew, we grew really fast in, in two different markets. That's, that's incredible. So I originally met, this is for the audience, I originally met Stephen through um, Jason and Peely Yerusi. They've got a podcast and they're also uh, members of a mastermind group with another guy who's been on the podcast before, Justin Williams. You know Justin Williams, right? I know Justin really well. Okay. Love Justin. And so, so why do you think you got all this success? Like, is it through that mastermind group or is it through some other education? What, what got you to get out of your comfort zone and do the things that you never knew you could do? I mean, to be honest, I think that without the community that I was a part of, the seven-figure flipping community that, you know, Justin Williams has put on and now part of eight-figure flipping, uh, probably wouldn't be able to reach the success as fast as we, we did. I think the key reason for being able to do well uh, was just taking action, was saying, cutting myself off from all other options, making a hard decision and deciding to push my chips in. And through that process, I was able to you know, stumble upon the Justin Williams way and uh, found a, an event called Flip Hacking Live, which happens every year around October in, in, uh, in, uh, in California and uh, went there and 
found the community of people who were doing what I wanted to do, and I had an opportunity to model off of others who were ahead of me. So it was huge being a part of that community. So you told me, you told the listeners where you invest, and I think that was Minneapolis, Minnesota, and, and Raleigh, North Carolina? Yeah. yeah. So, so um, and then these mastermind groups are out in California. Where, where are you from? Yeah, I was born and raised in Minnesota, okay. uh, but moved around a little bit. But to be quite honest, I, when I started this, I was living in Southern California uh, on the beach. I had tried really hard. I uh, was making an honest effort at, at getting into real estate in that market and ended up spending a lot of money on marketing and not getting a lot of results. And so I started looking for some markets that maybe had a little bit better of an opportunity of response rate so that the little bit of marketing money that I had at the time could go farther. So I currently live in Denver, Denver, Colorado now, and I, I manage the operation uh, remotely. Perfect. And um, most of the listeners know I've got the Creative Real Estate Lunch Clubs. Um, you're going to be speaking at those. Would you remind the listeners what dates those are? When, do you remember? I haven't yeah, seen that's a great. that's a great question. It's a question okay. many people will ask over time. It's sometime in August, so okay. we're, we're a few months out from that, but it's going to be... Uh, It'll be fun. Okay, I'll put the links into the show notes in case somebody wants to meet you in person. And uh, so that way they can click on and, and find those events. Um, other than that, let's get into a little bit more of the systemize, systematizing, systemizing. How did, how did you do that? What are the ways of, of actually making a business do 75 deals in one year and you didn't even live in those areas? Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of frequent flyer miles that were being built up. But to be honest, it really comes down to hiring really good people. Um, and in order to hire people, you have to, you have to, you have to take action, you have to get out there, you have to meet with folks, you have to uh, start building some processes. And I think that's the key to why we were able to grow as quickly as we did was, you know, through the mastermind, through some friends and, and mentors was able to kind of see what other people were doing. Um, Tony Robbins is a big fan of uh, modeling success. And so mm -hmm. we found some models of people who are already ahead of us in the race, right? They're already doing what we were doing. And we pretty much sat down with them and copied, you know, step by step. Exactly. How do you hire an acquisition manager? What is the exact uh, job posting that you put up and kind of take a look at what other people are doing, kind of make it our own and then call that the Von Finch way. So we did that through each individual piece, but you don't have to have it all done at once. You know, the okay. first hire for us had to be an acquisition manager because mm -hmm. that person goes out and they buy houses and meet with sellers. And being that I wasn't in the market, even though I have partners that live in the market, um, we had to hire a salesperson that can go out and meet with those people. So that was our first hire. And in order to do that, you figure out exactly what you're looking for and how you're going to train them up. And you kind of start documenting all that stuff. Um, and from there, you know, you have your next hire and you just keep doing that. And over time, you have all these processes. And sure, they're not perfect. They don't need to be. That's probably the biggest thing is having something written down on paper that you can follow and kind of improve on is probably more important than having perfection when it comes to kind of putting together systems. I think that's probably a huge thing. Most of the listeners probably get hung up on just wanting to do everything the right way, the perfect way. They're not ready to execute because they're not sure. Uh, of themselves or uh, or what the process would be. But what you said is a key takeaway 
um, where you kind of just write it all down. You get your system in place and it's okay if you make some mistakes. It's all right because you've just, you just cross that out and, you know, put something ahead of it. You know, you forget something here, you lose money there or whatever and you, and you just correct it. But if you're mm -hmm. wanting to scale and be massive like Steven, uh, you've, you've got to be willing to, uh, to make a couple failures on the way and that way you, you'll flip 75 houses. Um, look, tell us yeah, a little uh, bit. I think the other thing is if you're, if, if you don't mind, it, I think the, 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 the big thing that people need to realize is whether they're just starting out or they're looking to bring their, their business to the next level is to take a moment and think about where it is that you want to go and why you want to go there and what you're willing to sacrifice. Most importantly, what you're willing to sacrifice to get there. So for, you know, example, with the growth that we had, you know, for over a year, none of the partners, nobody took you know, a salary. Nobody got paid out of the company. Why? Because it was more important to us to continue the growth. So for in the long run, we were able to get where we wanted to go. But we knew that going into it. So when we faced hardships, which you're going to face when you deal with crazy sellers or deals that fall through or wholesalers or other investors who steal a deal from you, <laughs> you know, you know that these things are going to happen and it doesn't knock you off your game. You're able to kind of keep going and keep pushing forward. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So let's go into some of the system systems that you use. So you did you mentioned that you're you're bringing you're utilizing other people, other people's time, you're building a team uh, and that helps a lot. Um, one quick question, are you using virtual assistants at all? Um, let's see. We do have one person who answers the phone for for us. They live in the Philippines. Okay. But for the most part we're hiring local local people um, in the market who, you know, answer the phone, they do all the work for us. And I mean, we found that that works the best. Okay. That I like that. What about, what about online places to store things, places to multi-share things, places to uh, sure. bring a CRM through? What, what do you do for all that? So uh, CRM wise, we're using Podio with an investor fuse that's built on top of it. It's not perfect, but it works really well for us. Um, can, so we store all of our into, leads. Can you go into Investor Fuse? What is that? Yeah, Investor Fuse is kind of like a custom built workspace mm -hmm. that sits on top of Podio. Podio is a free CRM that's available. This Investor Fuse has some automation that's built into it. So when a new mm -hmm. call comes in from CallRail and we use a system called CallRail to kind of house all the numbers so we can manage where these different marketing pieces are coming from and what uh, channel they're coming from. Um, all that information automatically goes into our CRM. And then when our phone team answers the phone, they're able to say, Hey, you know, this is Steven with uh, we buy houses. You know, did you have a house you're looking to sell? And they have the script right there in front of them. They're able to fill out that information and it's all right there. So when the salespeople are ready to go on the appointment, they have the information, they upload all the comps and the different materials that they might use to help uh, walk the seller through kind of what the value of their home is and what their offer is going to be. And then all the way to the other side of the equation after it's under contract, you know, our project manager can go in there and they can see what properties are available for them to, to select out for us to do renovations on. And our dispositions, our wholesaling team can go in there and kind of manage the transaction from start to finish. You know, there's checklists that, that we've built in there that kind of show, Hey, this is everything that has to happen on each individual deal. And we, we try to 
make sure that everything goes into Podio because that's kind of our one system of record when it comes to things related to the seller. Okay. So um, as far as uh, call rail goes, how do you use, uh, utilize a lot of different phone numbers through that? I mean, you're allowed to pull in what, like eight or 10, something like that? Yeah, I think, I think with the, the standard purchase, you start with maybe 10. I think right now we have probably about 50 phone numbers. Wow. Um, just because we're tracking a lot of different mm. types of marketing and seeing where things are. Um, I know some other investors who have many more and some who have many less. But uh, for us, each individual person in the company has a phone number that we can then see kind of, hey, how are, they, how are they doing on the calls that they're making? And we have an opportunity to kind of improve the process because we can, we can listen in from a coaching standpoint yep. and kind of coach to the, the script that they're using. So do you ever, are any of your phone numbers uh, ringing multiple people at the same time? Yeah. So, I mean, for the first almost year, we, we had one lead manager. That person sits in the the seat and they, they're one of the most important roles for us because they're the first contact that the, the team um, gets to interact with the client, uh, the seller. And so now that we have two phone people and we have a backup uh, call center that takes our calls if none of our people are available, um, that way we always have someone live answering, which I think is one of the most important things. Um, it, it'll ring to one person at a time and then it'll ring to the next person and, and okay. so on and so forth. Okay. That, that's, that's really interesting. So is there also, do you try to track like, um, one phone number if it's coming from online lead from a Google ad, one phone number if it came from like mail pieces or? Exactly. We want to understand if online marketing is working more effectively than maybe digital marketing or, you know, we have a salesperson even who, just recently got a, uh, a custom license plate that says cash for houses. And she has a phone number around the license plate, uh, little frame holder on it. And so, you know, she was really interested in doing that and wanted to do that. So now we'll be able to track to see when people call off of that phone number. So we can kind of track exactly where the calls are coming from and we can see what's working. You know, a lot of, there's a lot of different ideas out there. Some of them work and some of them don't. And, um, that way we can figure out which is kind of the best way for us to go. Yeah. I think I have one more quick question on the call rail. I understand that when you use that system, you can tell it to show the person's phone number who is calling you, or you can tell it to when it's ringing you to give you the caller ID that it's that specific phone number. Um, yeah. we, we've used it where we did had no idea who was calling us, but we knew that they were calling that number. So we scrambled to do everything we could to answer it. What, how sure. do you use that system? I, I think it depends on each person in the organization, the way that, that I have the phone numbers that are coming to me, which are usually um, more from the investor side, investors trying to call. I have their phone number saved in my phone. So I want to know who's calling so I can mm. prioritize that. But on the okay. seller side, uh, oftentimes we won't show that number. We'll do it the way that you said so we can know that, you know, Minnesota postcard number three is calling. Mm -hmm. And that okay. way we can know kind of, hey, that's a seller. Let's make yeah. sure we, we do everything we can to answer. Yeah. Uh, once we were in a closing and, and Manny and I were uh, both sitting there in our phones ring and we both uh, jumped out. We, we scooted out as fast as we could because those are gold, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you can't no lead left behind. 
There you go. So, um, so what other systems do you use um, to keep track of all these people? What other types of CRMs or um, like where do you store this type of a what, what give us a little bit yeah. more of that type of background? So, when it comes to Google Docs uh, or I should say Google Drive, we use that for sharing documents between everyone on the team. I know some people like to use Dropbox. We found that because we use the Google suite system and all of our emails are built into there and our calendars, mm. everything's kind of in one place. Okay. So we have it built out where each individual set of folders uh, has the different systems for each role kind of built out. And each employee or team member um, is able to kind of take a look at that and they know they have access to all the systems. They're able to kind of build upon them and make suggestions. Um, and so we have them broken out for each of those. Um, we also use Slack for digital communication. So we found that a lot of times, you know, things were getting hung up in email or in text messages. And mm. so in order to kind of make a rule across the company, no more texting and no more emailing for last minute questions, uh, we started using a chat function uh, called Slack. And with that, we're able to have private messages back and forth. And, mm. it, and it's uh, kind of an instant messenger type setup. We can have different channels that are broken out for each of the different departments. Okay. Um, and that way you can kind of share information and it's public. Everyone can see it and you can go back and know, Hey, uh, I was talking to so-and-so about that. I can go and find that a little, little easier than finding an email sometimes. I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to figuring out how you do what you're already doing and mm -hmm. just documenting that process. Like that's the best place to start. So for all the people who are already flipping houses or already buying houses, or doing any kind of work, mm -hmm. the best way to hire somebody is to understand how to do it, then document how to do that, and then train them on that documentation, and then work from there. And they're going to have ideas about, hey, I've, I tried this for two weeks, and I found that this part of the process worked a little bit better. Perfect. Let's update the process docs. Let's move forward from there. And that way, if you lose somebody along the way, the old get hit by a bus analogy. For example, okay, yeah, what's yeah. going to happen if your top performing employee or, or salesperson or owner is hit by a bus? We want to make sure that everything that that person does is documented in some way. It doesn't have to be down to every little detail, but kind of that 20% of the process that does 80% of it mm -hmm. will get them to be able to get somebody else kind of ramped up quickly into that role. Cool. What do you, what do, you do for funding on all these deals to finance uh, 75 deals in one year? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. So we've worked with a lot of uh, private money lenders, um, and we've just built relationships. To be honest, we haven't really worked with friends and family too much. Everything has come from the real estate investor community. You know, I think for me personally, I, I made it a point to to be a regular attendee at a couple events where I kind of built up a name for myself and and built some true relationships where I never was ever asking or talking about needing or, mm -hmm. or, or wanting funding, but that over time, I, I kind of started realizing that, oh, well, these people have some funds, we have some deals, and we were able to kind of come together. And so, um, you know, over the last year, uh, we were able to raise, you know, quite a bit of money. Um, and then, you know, some of the time we will negotiate more creative options where we'll do something, maybe a subject to, um, and we've done a, a couple seller financing deals that have turned out pretty well for us. Could you go, can we, I think we have time to at least go over one of those deals. Which one is uh, the most interesting? 
I think the most interesting one is this one uh, we call the Wilshire condo at Lake Minnetonka. So those little one bedroom, one bath condo on one of the, the premier lakes in Minnesota, just outside of the, the Twin Cities. A very wealthy, very nice area. What was great about this was this was a, a one bedroom, one bath rental unit. And mm -hmm. the owner had owned it for maybe 15, 20 years. He had bought it. Um, on contract for deed from someone else. So he kind of understood how terms work. Mm -hmm. um, but the house, you know, the condo was in rough shape. The tenant had lived there for seven years. He was in the middle of a renovation, but it had been like that for about a year and a half. And so when we met with him, we kind of go in, went in knowing that he was looking for about 115,000 for the property. And we thought when it was renovated and fixed up that we might be able to sell it for, you know, uh, one, 140, 145, we were thinking we wanted to be a little bit conservative. Um, and so our number was a little bit lower than he was looking for. And so through that process, we kind of went through our normal sales process and each of the different steps and understanding what they were looking for. And we realized that he owned it outright and he didn't need the money for anything in particular. Mm -hmm. And so we got all the way down to the very end of the negotiation and after talking about the terms option and the cash option, he wanted to think about the terms option. He didn't want to make a decision. So rather than leaving it with an open loop, uh, we signed it up for cash for $82,000. Um, and then about a week later, we had a second conversation. Meanwhile, we're ready to close with cash, but now we're able to open up that conversation again. And we were able to buy that house for $85,000, um, 0% uh, financed for six months. Um, and we were able to come in, um, and put in 23,000 and, and we ended up selling that for, what was it? 147,000, I believe. Um, wow. but it was a 30, $35,000 profit, 28% ROI. And so that worked out really well because the seller was able to get a little bit more money. He got $3,000 more. He didn't mind waiting. He'd already waited a year and a half to get his money. Yep. And uh, we had built kind of a relationship where we might be able to buy some more deals from this person in the future because he kind of saw that, hey, we did what we said we were going to do and, you know, uh, yeah. that he can trust us. I love that, that you're able to structure a win-win as far as, uh, you know, there's price and there's terms and uh, the price wasn't working exactly. So you offered the terms and it really ended up being a win-win where this guy was able to come away, as you said, with more money than he would have in if he was only working with people that could just only do cash. So that gave him that incentive and he was able to sell it. You guys worked together and you probably saved yourself a few thousand dollars in um, hard money costs or private money lending costs. That's, that's incredible. Uh, that's exactly what this podcast is all about. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. Um, is there anything else? Let's see. Uh, you said you're in Denver now. You used to be in Minnesota, in Minnesota, then uh, California. You're doing, how many deals are you going to do this year? How about that? 2018, how many deals are you going to do? That's a great question. We try to focus quarterly uh, instead of yearly, but we're, okay. we're, we're on track to do about 35 deals this quarter. Um, we're, we're hoping to close another 50 total this quarter. 
Um, but overall this year, we're, we're looking to double the number of deals that we've done and double our, our overall revenue. So we, uh, and we're on track to do it. So we're, we're excited about that. Did you have to double your team uh, to double those numbers? I, we didn't have to double the team, but what we did have to do is, is make sure that we have the right people in the right seats. Okay. So our big focus in 2018 is not to expand to new cities and, and, and grow beyond. It's to, to really grow deep in the areas that we're in and, yeah. and get the most out of our people, give them an opportunity to, to grow with us and just to tighten up our systems. Cause you know, in year one, you're kind of driving down the road, changing the tire while you're going a hundred miles an hour. And, you know, now we have a better feeling and understanding of what we're doing. So we're trying to, you know, just dig a little bit deeper and, and, and build a stronger culture, stronger team for the long term. I have, I have one last question uh, before we let you go. And that is, how do you pay your team members? You yeah, and that's your... a great, okay. great question. It's a really good question. So our salespeople are paid on commission. Um, we have some salespeople that are 100% commission. Um, and we have some salespeople who are on a base plus commission model. Um, each person has their own option um, to do whichever one that they prefer. The, mm -hmm. the commission model, they can make probably about 30 or 40% more. And for really top producers, they often will go that route because they know that they can make the most kind of uncapped. Um, for our lead management team, people are paid anywhere between 10 to $15 an hour, and then they get uh, a per contract bonus, flat fee, somewhere between 50 and $150, just depending on um, where they're at in the hierarchy of the mm -hmm. team. Um, and our project managers are also paid on a base plus, you know, an incentive model where they make, they make enough for them to live and, and live a good life. But we want to make sure that kind of everyone on our team is, is tied in for the upside so that they're incentivized to make sure that the deals stay on track and things get closed because we're all kind of making money from the same pot. So mm -hmm. we want to make sure that when, when we do better as a company, that each of our employees and, and team members do better. Awesome. I, I like that model. Uh, thanks for sharing all the insides of your business, everything that you've been doing to, to complete 75 transactions in one year. And as it looks like uh, to double that in just the second year, over a hundred transactions is, is insane. I, I believe that you really have to understand the systems and having the right people and to see that you're doing that is, is great. How do people get a hold of you? So there's two places to reach us. People can go to V as in Victor, F as in Frank, vfinvest.com. And you can sign up just to follow us and continue to kind of follow our story and our growth. And on that same website, you'll find a link to our Facebook page, which you can like and follow on there. And of course, you can always shoot me a message on Facebook, uh, Stephen Pesavento. There's only one of us, so okay. you, you can search me on there and check out the show notes. I'm sure Adam will include some of that information right there on the show yeah, notes. Yeah, so. great. And will you send me that Facebook today too? And I'll have it in the show notes today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Perfect. Thanks so much for your time and we'll talk to you later. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go, but until next time, think outside the box. <laughs>